the thing we try to like seed as the idea is, oh, a thing happened. And it's just so easy to be like, that thing was a bad thing. And now you want to kill somebody. For for vengeance? Yes. Yeah. Nobody's ever like, oh, the knight took to the sea and took the oath of the open sea. Welcome to Monsters Multiclass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Eliotti. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Melvin. And on this episode, we are taking a look at Paladin Rogue. Again, the next one in our Redux series. So let's dive into it. Yes, Paladin Rogue Multiclass, or as I will always remember it, the embers on the wind of the ever-shifting dunes, Ellie's tabaxi character that not only proved this multi-class is amazing mechanically, but was so darn strong that when she wanted to switch up the character, I basically fell over myself to make sure that it happened. Uh, Paladins are like fighters with really strong ideals, ideals so strong that they get magic from them. Sometimes they can be religious, religious or at least religion adjacent, but it's not required. And my general preference is to keep them less religion focused because that's what clerics are for. Uh, And then rogues are street fighters with a wide array of skills. They aren't formally trained normally, but in this case, it's only made them better that they were trained on the streets somehow. Um, Originally, it was expected that rogues were street or urchins or thieves of some sort, but I think that's kind of expanded drastically in recent releases. Rogues can really be boiled down into two things. They're experts in their chosen skills, and they know how to make their strikes count. To multi-class into these two, we need 13 strength, 13 dex, and 13 charisma. So, you know, not the perfect stat alignment, but uh, to start, let's get first thoughts from Ellie. Ellie, why did you torment me with this multi-class for nearly a year, (laughs) and why do you hate fun so much? (laughs) Yeah, so this is definitely a good one to talk about, because I did play this for, I think it was closer to two years, after we recorded our original episode back in 2018. Um, and I, we, we walked away from the episode liking it, but man, I think we missed how much damage these things could put out when built correctly. And I'm putting quotes there because obviously built gear pick everyone and just have fun with it, but built optimally. So, yeah. Optimally. There we go. So yeah, the stat arrays kind of suck, but I ended up not missing it. I know I did 13 in strength, I think 14 charisma. And then Dex was the highest. It got up to 18. I don't think I ever got it to 20. But that's fine. Like, I just never felt like I was missing it that much. The plus ones or whatever here and there. Like, eh, didn't matter too much. Um, but then the hits. He hit like a truck. Um, he hit sneak attack. I was an arcade trickster on the rogue side. Uh, just kept intelligence at eight and make sure I didn't pick anything that mattered for it. And so I had find familiar. So I was able to give myself sneak attack all the time and really, really take advantage of that. I very rarely use spell slots for anything other than smiting other than out of combat stuff. And, and to bring back your familiar that I decimated I, at every opportunity. Right. Yeah. Once you got <laughs> tired of the familiar. Yeah. And yeah, it was a blast, and this is a really strong multi-class, and I think it only got stronger, and originally we struggled with the role-playing of this one, um, but I, I don't think that's really an issue anymore. But sorry, these are supposed to be first thoughts, I'm kind of rambling. That's uh, all right. I, I set you up to ramble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Will, so it has been almost four years since we originally recorded this this first episode. How do you feel now about the Rogue Paladin multiclass? The two worst classes in D&D combining into an even worse multiclass. A true abomination. <laughs> Stripped of flavor. Bereft of any kind of interesting backstory. Just a pure excuse to break the rules and make your DM cry. Which I do kind of find funny. <laughs> Stop <I'll admit>. it. <laughs> so dramatic. <laughs> Coming from me, like who just had like this entire thing prepared to call out Ellie. Like that was dramatic, Will. <laughs> yes. In my character's existence in the world made perfect sense. He had a fleshed out backstory, a personality, an arc, everything. It was that's why I've got booming blade and sneak attack. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh yeah, I forgot I had moving blade because you know. Yeah, no. I, I will say this about Embers. Embers was not broken because Embers was a rogue paladin. Embers was broken in addition to being broken for being a rogue paladin. There was a level of combination with tabaxi nonsense, the arcane trickster, the familiar. It all was just this whirling vortex of this should have like not made it through playtesting. <laughs> yeah, his uh, maneuverability was just absolutely insane. So he's a tabaxi, um, 30 feet speed, 30 foot speed, but they get the feline agility where they get double their movement. Um, it's not they could take their movement again. It's their movement speed doubles, which is important here. Um, and all they have to do to use that again is spend a turn not moving. And then it just comes back. So 60 feet of movement really easily. And then being a rogue, easy access to dashing as a bonus action and not much else to do with my bonus action. So that's 120 feet of moving because dash allows you to take your movement again and feline agility doubles it. So with just a single bonus action and a feline agility, which comes back from just not moving for a turn, 120 foot movement speed. So a yep. paladin who had a shield, he, I'm pretty sure he had 19 AC. Had BD um, armor and a shield, yep. Yeah, so 19 AC, hitting with sneak attacks, being able to smite, having the maneuverability of a rogue, being able to quite easily move 120 feet in a turn. And more if needed by being able to dash again as a regular action. And then, God forbid, later on when he started getting hasted. Um, it was crazy. Yeah, it turns out one of the limiting factors of Paladins is their lack of maneuverability and speed and no ranged attacks. And when you get rid of that by multiclassing with a rogue and then adding a tabaxi, because why the hell not? It gets fun. <laughs> a lot of lore was added for Embers, and that's the only reason why I did not kill him. Um. <laughs> Say yeah, because we, we created the whole section of your world together. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that is not the only reason Embers didn't die. There that's a very different conversation. Um that's that's more to deal with the fact that we had a life cleric who would not let anyone die. All right. Um so yeah, all right. That's I think it's we can all agree that Tabaxi's movement speed is is obviously ridiculous, especially paired with with all of this. And Ellie's specific build for this was challenging as a DM. Um, and I, I overplay how much it frustrated me. Honestly, most of the time it was fun. I look back on it fondly uh, because there was that kind of figuring out how to deal with it, like making movement not matter, difficult terrain, killing your familiar, things like that. Because that was not hard. It had like 10 AC and 1 HP. So it was right. like more absorbing an attack than anything. Um, but... Let's let's not focus too much on that specific build because I'm sure we could talk about the the arcane trickster and the fact that you had eight intelligence the entire campaign with an arcane trickster, but it's it's not important. <laughs> so I think when we first talked about this, though, we we had issues on the RP standpoint because rogues were supposed to be edgy and dark, and paladins were supposed to be beacons of and chaotic and paladins supposed to be beacons of of morality and and that i think is where a lot of the kind of butting of heads came together and i'm pretty sure i was in that camp as well or will persuaded me that day it's it's very possible um but i do look back on that and think that's kind of silly like there's nothing that says rogues need to be edgy and dark and chaotic and there's nothing that says paladins need to be beacons of morality they need to have a an oath that they need to stick to heavily. But when you have subclasses like Oath of Vengeance, which Embers was also <laughs> yeah. for that channel divinity where you could get advantage on every attack against a creature for a minute. Oh, and Hunter's Mark, if I was ever really feeling, feeling saucy. <laughs> so I, I don't prescribe to that idea that paladins, paladins need to be beacons of morality by any means no yeah i'm not sure why we got so hung up on that either because i mean that's just not how we play i I guess this was four years ago i I don't know it's just obviously we've grown and changed um why are you laughing well because will has not grown or changed i have not grown or changed (laughs) i've gotten worse i will be getting worse until the day i die 
which will be a long time from now because the bottom is not even within sight. But what I will say is, yes, it's D&D. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But like, where does it say that a rogue? It's literally the word. The word rogue is like antithetical to the word paladin. I know I'm being like pedantic, but it's kind of no, not. You're it's right. like the word. It's right there. I guess that's my issue. It's like, yeah, like what we're talking about is like this precision, the skill, this kind of uh, alternative training sense. That's great. But it like carries all this baggage of the word rogue that it'll, I'll never be okay with it. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. That's fair. That's okay. Um, so do you not see paladins as being able to be chaotic in any way? Yes. In fact, I do. I do feel that a paladin's devotion to the ideal precludes that kind of ephemeral mercurial nature of a rogue okay you have to kind of abandon that i think on the rogue side and go for precision and skill sure if it makes you feel better in the player handbook there is a line a few rogues make an honest living as locksmiths investigators or exterminators yeah i i mean there's the line and then there's the, the other four fucking paragraphs I was going to say, it is four paragraphs dedicated to how rogues usually join, like, thieves' guilds and crime syndicates, or they operate on their own as assassins and burglars, and, and then there, yes, there's that line. And, like, let's just look at some more words. It's just, like, let's go ahead and go down the list of wonderful subclasses. Oh, tricksters, assassins, thieves, swashbucklers, which are pirates. <laughs> Scorched earth right now. <laughs> Soul knife, phantom, mastermind. And what what chaotic evil they all are. Like I, I will admit, they have, they so have gone off track with this. With the new ones, they really have been like, all right, we're just going to kind of... What's a phantom rogue? Is that roguey? Not really. It's pretty pretty neutral. And kind of yeah, doesn't work with the paladin. but. <laughs> No, it doesn't. I I tried, I tried very hard, but I do not see how Phantom works with Paladin very well. Um, yeah, and I think that is something that we're just seeing in general is that they're moving away from the the hardline tropes because, and I guess I'm not entirely sure. On one hand, I feel like it's because they want to just move away from that because people generally haven't been playing to tropes in the same way that they may have 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't know. I was in elementary school 20 years ago. So who knows what was going on in D&D. But it does seem like since at least 5th edition's come out and it's kind of grown, they, they have moved away. <clears throat> it could be because they've already been taken care of. If you want to play a rogue who fits that archetype, who fits that stereotypical, this is what a rogue is. I was raised on the streets. I joined the Thieves Guild. I murdered my way to the top, and now I'm here. You've got options. It's all there. And no one, no one is telling you to mix that with Paladin. <laughs> Unless you go Vengeance Paladin, in which case, go for it. Yeah. And say, so how we handle it with my character Embers... Is he, he was a rogue. And, and like we came in at like level five, I think. And so I came in already multi-cast. Four. Three. Three, actually. I missed the beginning of the campaign, though. I know I came in already multi-cast. Yeah. Um, but like in the backstory, he was a rogue. And not in the sense of he's like sneaking through a city and stealing stuff. He grew up in a desert with nomadic people. And that was just his combat style just kind of developed a bunch of skills in this just kind of opportunistic way of fighting because that's what he excelled at. He wasn't super strong or anything like that, though he had 13 strikes because he had a lot of class and failed him. But, <laughs> um, and then some really bad things happened and he swore an oath of vengeance and started taking Paladin levels. And I think that worked really, really well. And even with a typical kind of archetype rogue, I think it could still work well. They swear an oath to something and it's not like they lose their rogue skills. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of the, the natural multi-classing can come out because if you are playing that very hardline rogue of an assassin and something happens that changes you 
and you've got the stats for Paladin, you know, lined up, then it can make sense to multi-class out of Rogue and have that be character growth, character change, even if you don't want to call it growth. Um, it, it just, I don't know, there's there's no reason to me that they, you know, because you're a Rogue, you're now unable to be a Paladin. And the other way around as well, a Paladin who starts taking levels in Rogue because they realize that they... Whatever their circumstances are in life, they need to develop these additional set of skills. It's not yeah, all just this, like one note. <laughs> that, <laughs> well, no, that everything one's a can't just be this, yeah, be this one note. You know, I'm a hammer, everything is a nail type thing, and like kind of be able to yeah, develop so more tools. The, the the way I was thinking of that is like a, a paladin who gets ousted from their order. For whatever reason, you can kind of come up with that. Then they have to learn to survive in a world that doesn't follow such a strict social contract. Because that's what it is as a paladin. You know, if you've spent your time around other paladins, a good example I can think of is like the the Brotherhood of Steel in, in the Fallout series. A group who's just so devoted to this one idea of we have to preserve technology. And then you have certain people who leave the Brotherhood of Steel, like Veronica and Fallout New Vegas, who realize that, oh, there's there's other things that I need to do with my life. And, you know, maybe the Brotherhood of Steel is not the correct direction. Yeah. So this 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 idea, though, that like somebody can be a part of of what makes a paladin a paladin and then have to adapt to a new scenario is there's a trope in there. I mean, I'm, I'm not a TV tropes wiki expert or anything but i have to imagine that 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 fish out of water scenario has been played out plenty of times sure or even if it's not true but still just sounds interesting in a way to handle it one thing i will say about this multi-class is it's kind of one note um i definitely started feeling that with my character embers that we keep talking about and i would think most builds of this would be where you kind of just do the same thing. Like, so since you're a rogue, you do have more out of combat skills and all that. And like being arcane trickster gives you access to some spells that can be out of combat. But in terms of how fights go, you hit things and you hit things hard. And in my case, I was able to run really fast too. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like for a while, that's really fun. Being able to run up and smack something with my rapier that we re-flavored into a simtar because I was tired of rapiers, but it was my 1d8 simtar, basically. Um, hit it, do an extra 2d6 sneak attack damage, be able to smite for 3d8, and do that twice. Um, obviously, I don't get sneak attack twice, but you could you know, smite as many times as you want, potentially crit, and just part about these crazy numbers and burns things down and position wherever you need on the battlefield to be able to do this. But then, you know, it's two years later and I'm still doing the exact same thing. And I got really, really bored of the character. Um, so we, we kind of had a big story moment where his sort of like vengeance was fulfilled or it, it was actually cheesier than that. He realized he doesn't need vengeance, but um, I'm making fun of myself, yeah. but like it was a good, Don't. it was a good, good story beat. But and so the oath went away and then we replaced it with something else. And it was the same character with re- rebuilt, but to make it more interesting for me to play. But this is definitely one where for like that long of a campaign, like, and I was pretty bored with him way well before that point too. I was trying to like stick, stick it out. And so I know some people really do struggle with that where like playing a character where it feels really one note, where in combat you just do the same thing and fill the same role every single combat again and again and again. And all you do is get better at doing that getting bored of it. So this is one where that is the case. Yeah. And I think paladins have this built in portion where as they level, they naturally get out of that because they start to get their auras. They start to get spells that are actually worth casting. But when you're multi-classing, you're delaying that for a while. So as you got more levels in rogue, which rogues really are one note forever. Sorry. I don't, I mean, I know some people like that, but yeah, they sneak attack. That's about it in combat. And, you know, you are you just had to keep kind of holding back the paladin aspects um, to, to bring the rogue parts in line. And long story short, I don't think you were going to get to those levels in paladin soon enough for it to feel like you were, you were doing anything new in combat. Uh, yeah, I, I, when I ended up switching 
kind of be rebuilding the character. It was five paladin, four rogue. And I think my plan was to continue going up in paladin because like I just got extra attack in the yep. next six would have been the auras. Aura, yeah, go go for the auras. It's tough or hard to pass up. Yeah, but I mean, again, it it became kind of a, a good point to to change, and I've been a big proponent of that really since we did that. That was the first time in a campaign that we're like, let's just change up the classes. Who cares? They're all just abstractions of fighting styles. Right. And um, I guess what I'll say is that. Go ahead. To add to what you were saying, the class is one note. This multi-class is pretty one note. And there's no real way to avoid it. There's a way to play this class combo. And I think you figured it out. <laughs> you're gonna have a rapier you're gonna do roguey stuff whilst doing smitey stuff it's like i don't think you're gonna squeeze anything interesting out of these two yeah we talked about this in the original episode you can go strength based um but you would sure. still have a rapier because you need the finesse weapon for sneak attack um but they just attack with strength but you can still get sneak attack off of doing that um and then like wear heavy armor for it and kind of just keep decks at like 13 or 14. But it's still kind of the same. It's actually less out of combat utility because now you're not getting like stealth and things like that. <clears throat> or like sleight of hand. Yeah, honestly, all that you get from that is like higher AC. Yeah, and, it's really one higher really AC. It. You go and play at 18, there was healed 20. Except Ember yeah. said 19. So it it is possible. You're correct. I don't think you're getting anything out of it unless, and I'm not even suggesting this, but unless you're looking to do like a three-way multi-class and you're like, oh, I'm going to do fighter as well or barbarian or something like that. And mm. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go into the... <laughs> go ahead. Barbarians probably will play there because they, yeah. they really need the strength. Otherwise, if you're a fighter, just be a dex fighter as well. Barbarians and you can't be a dex barbarian. No. So you can you can well. sneak attack with getting barbarian rages. Okay, okay. And then smite off of it. You can smite while raging because it's not casting yeah. a spell. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> That's what I should have done. I should have multi-classed into barbarian. <laughs> All right. And and tell me, what would that have changed about your playstyle? It would have upped your damage and made Barb- you tankier. Yeah. Well, then Quite I would have the option of doing a reckless attack and... Because you're not having such a hard time getting sneak attack or advantage. Right. <laughs> that does open up like uh, just saying, screw the screw the owl thing, and I, I'll just recklessly beat stuff. That's yeah, very oh, fair. That's, yeah, you can do the rage uh, bonus with a finesse weapon if you're using strength. Correct. Yeah, because yeah. we, we've gone through that when we talk about the barbarian rogue multiclass. So that's really stupid, but work. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, one of the the things to even just kind of I don't know talk more about miscellaneous mechanical things to keep in mind. If you want heavy armor, you will have to go paladin first. Rogues, rogue going into paladin only gets medium armor. Um, they also get shields and martial weapons and some other things that rogues don't get but uh, they will not get the the heavy armor. Right. <clears throat> um, the other thing, just again, just throw random mechanical things out there that is a major benefit from this that we haven't really focused on is paladins barely use their bonus action. They have a few spells and a few channel divinities depending on the subclass, but in general, your bonus action is totally free for cunning action or subclass specific things that the rogue has. The rogue is expecting to use their bonus action nearly every single turn. Um, so right. in terms of just like straight power, that's a reason why it, it works very well, obviously. So I just want to put this out there. I've actually gotten, I feel upset about this existing. The more I think about it and the more this comes up, cunning action being like stuck there at level two, just like tempting almost everyone in the game. It's like, hey. It's like action surge with the fighters. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're not using your bonus action? Cool, cool. Have you considered a dip in rogue? And as someone (laughs) who literally did this the last campaign we played, it's just, I don't know. It's starting to feel dirty. I I do not disagree. 
the a two level dip in the rogue if you are a martial character is almost always beneficial as long as you're using a weapon that kind of suits it but usually right. usually the weapon that you take the damage that you get from sneak attack even just the 1d6 is enough to put it on pace because you know a barbarian you might be using a d12 weapon and then instead you drop down to a d8 weapon and you pick up 1d6 round in in sneak attack damage or 2d6 if you go up to level three in rogue it may be a little bit less but it's not like you're destroying your damage per round by some absurd number uh instead you're now having a use for your bonus action every single round forever right and don't forget you also get expertise out of it yes and thieves got <laughs> sure <laughs> and yeah, if you do take that third, as you said, 2d6 for the sneak attack, which is just awesome. That's basically an extra great sword attack. Um, and then the first of your archetype. So if you've got Arcane Trickster, you then get cantrips and some spell casting, and then you pick like Booming Blade or whatever. Um, or other cantrips. Soul knife, you get your ranged psi attacks and the thing where they can but add. Thinking about it from the just to keep it to the the topic at hand, um for paladins what you just mentioned doesn't really help that much. The knife in particular, so something no. new that came up in Tasha's, is a, a ranged rogue attack, and it's built in at level three that you can do a ranged attack. That's totally pointless if you're trying to multi-class with a paladin. Yeah, I would say the, the new ones, and we should probably talk about these in more detail because this is a redux. Yeah, Soul Knife is not great. With Paladin, as the reasons you said, it's like one of its big benefits is having that soul knife attack. Um, and then again, the other stuff might be enough to carry it. I, I know we were a little down on it in our um, soul knife episode. Things at the top from that was a while back, but like Cybolster Knack, where um, like if you fail an ability check, you could expend a side eye to bump it up, and you only use it if it actually. Helps like that. That's good. Um, psychic whispers, telepathic communication, and then the blades. Like you can smite with your psychic blade, just not the ranged aspect of it. Like you could just attack with it. That's a good and, point. And you basically get a free. It's basically dual wielding for free without having to take like the dual wielder feat of like sheathing and unsheathing two weapons at once and things like that, and. You can still add your dexterity to the hit without having to take the two-weapon fighting style. Because after you attack with the blade, this being the psychic blade, you can make a melee arranged weapon attack with a second psychic blade as a bonus action on the same turn, provided your other hand is free to create it. The damage die is uh, this bonus attack is a 1d4 instead of 1d6, but you still add your dex to it. It's not an offhand attack like two-weapon fighting. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. I forgot entirely that you could melee attack with the psychic blades. I thought it was only ranged because it's every time I had works. somebody play one, it's, yeah, it's that's, melee. That's what. That's why it's kind of like a mixed bag because it's good because of the thrown aspect. Right, it still works in melee. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what would add to this. I mean, as a paladin, you know, you you could take dueling as one of your uh as your uh what is it called fighting style because you do get a fighting style so right. you can get plus one bonus to damage rolls when you're only wielding one weapon i believe the cyanides psychic blades would apply to that but is it would also apply is? to a rapier that doesn't sound right when you yeah. are wielding a melee weapon in one hand and no other weapons you gain plus two bonus to damage rolls oh, okay. that weapon i think said plus one Oh, no, 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 that's yeah. okay. something else. Two-weapon fighting that I think rangers can access and, and fighters. Two-weapon fighting allows you to add your dex mod, or just your ability score mod to the offhand attack. All right, you're going to make me look it up. I it's what, what it it's is. called. I No, 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 I know you're right. I'm trying to remember okay. what it's actually called, what the fighting style is. Oh, there's like the one of the new ones, Throne Weapon, which adds... I'm waiting for D&D Beyond to load. It is very slow today. It is. So, fighting style. It has... Two-weapon fighting. When you engage in two-weapon fighting, you can add your ability modifier to the damage of the second attack. So it's also called two-weapon fighting. That's what I said. That's the fighting style. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying... Okay. 
I thought you were talking about just the thing that everybody I'm, has I'm, access to if they offhand. I'm so confused. <laughs> if you offhand and you're attacking with two weapons, it's yeah. called two weapon fighting and it's not a fighting style. Oh, okay. You can just dual wield and it's called yeah. two weapon fighting. Right, yes. Dual wield is a feat. <laughs> <laughs> Clear as mud, clear as mud. Um, either way, so psychic blades could benefit from that. That that you're right. I think with going back to the psychic whispers and the side bolstered knack, those could make this worthwhile. I don't know what the flavor would be. Yeah, like a psionic paladin. It's again just like all the other stuff. There's no reason they couldn't be a soul knife where they have innate psionic powers and use that to their benefit, and then end up taking some sort of oath and be right. gaining paladin powers. Yeah, that that might I mean, be one that just comes up more naturally. If I guess if if listeners, if you have a combination that is exciting you, then let us know in the comments. But reading sure. through them, I'm not getting anything that's like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. Besides Oath of Vengeance. Which <laughs> yeah, is Oath because of Vengeance just kind of goes for everything. With everything rogue, at least. Like, I wouldn't also combine the, Oath of Vengeance and Cleric. The thing we try to, like, seed as the idea is, oh, a thing happened. And it's just so easy to be like, that thing was a bad thing, and now you want to kill somebody. For for vengeance, yes. Yeah, nobody's ever like, oh, the knight took to the sea and took the oath of the open sea. It's not an official subclass, so no, of I course see the they red don't. Text. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of the other one, it's the the phantom, and yeah, yeah, the other new, sorry, other new rogue subclass, and. You know, that one adds to your skills. I feel like it's the same conversation, more or less, is that a three-level dip, it gives you rogue things. It has this kind of undead flavor to it or or speaking with the dead. Um, the one that did kind of line up thematically could be Oath of the Watchers, which is a new one from Tasha's. I just didn't see any mechanical overlap beyond the base class paladin, the base class rogue stuff. Yeah, Oath of the Watchers being the one where... It's like protecting the, oh, the, the veil of, of... yeah Extra planet creatures. Yeah, so if there was somebody who's like, you know, kind of acting as that that bridge between life and death, and that is the, the plane that they're keeping at bay, then I guess I could see it. Except for when they need help. <laughs> Except for when they need help. But it's it's like, you know... You get a visitor's pass, and I I can do it because I do it the right way, and that's what they have to struggle with, is right. because they're going around telling everybody, "Don't speak with the undead," and everyone's like, "But you just did! Like you just you just learned how to how to paint because you spoke with your undead bud." It's like, well, you know, I don't abuse it. That seems like abuse. <laughs> it seems like you abused it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, in terms of mechanically, like they get the Watcher's Will um, as an act for a channel divinity. As an action, you can choose a number of creatures within 30 feet up to your charisma modifier. For one minute, they have advantage on, advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws, which isn't great. That's, that's helpful really when situational. It's helpful. Yeah. yeah. And then after and Especially an in a multi class, we're now charisma capped, so you have to be careful. Right. Oh, good point. Yeah, and Abjur the Extra Planar is basically turned on dead, except for it's for um, Aberration, Celestials, Elementals, Fae, or Fiends. And then they, they have to run away and, you know, things like that after failing a Wisdom saving throw. So again, another Charisma. Okay, basically. I got it. So the reason why Oath of Watchers and the Phantom work well together is because really the oath of the watchers is is trying to keep back these extra planar things but they need to like buddy cop movie with the undead so like they're they're teaming up with them and and they all are trying to keep back some force that's trying to destroy not just the material plane but also the ethereal plane where undead are i don't know where ghosts live <laughs> I think it's the ethereal plane, right? Because they can like bamf in and out of that. I don't remember. That's, is that's that all the ethereal plane? I think or... that's right. Yeah. 
There's just another <laughs> one called the ghost plane. The, next door. <laughs> the scary plane. Yeah. So that's that is the extent of what I can do is is they they get their power by I don't know, they interacted with something and it's like, boom, here you go, your phantom. Where does the rogue part come from? Well, let me tell you. I, I've got nothing. I don't know. It already feels like a stretch, but yeah. there might be something there. <laughs> um Oath of Glory Paladin is another one kind of contending with vengeance in terms of just sort of fitting with literally anything. Because it's just about saying you and your companions are destined for greatness and we're, I'm about going out and retrieving, not retrieving, um, just words. accomplishing tests. Yeah, just like f- getting glory for, okay, yeah. for myself and like increasing my fame and things like that. And I mean, you can kind of have any character get into that. And I could see like the kind of charismatic, fast talking rogue kind of get a little too full of themselves and go down that road. I could see it, especially after sleeping in a graveyard and then waking up with phantom powers. <laughs> okay, no, uh, but no, you're right. The Oath of Glory is is a very flavor neutral class. Honestly, I'm I'm just I know we talked about it when we did our our paladin episode of Tasha's but just so disappointed with Oath of Glory and Oath of Watchers from a flavor perspective I know Oath of Glory was in in Theros so maybe that's in two separate videos but either way um, they just didn't feel like they added too much to the conversation yeah they they were kind of forgettable like in preparing for this like any of the rogue ones I did not need to reread. Like I remembered them. I remembered what they did. I just kind of quickly scanned the abilities. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember all that. I had to reread Oath of Watchers and Oath of Glory, because you're right, they're forgettable. And even in the middle here when we were talking about it, I had to pull it up again. Like, wait, wait, wait. Which one's Watchers again? <laughs> and you just read it. Yep, yeah, that says a lot. That says yep, a lot. It's it's just really forgettable. So overall, you know, I just I don't think Tasha's really changed this too much. So it goes. There right. are some combos I still do like and some character ideas that I came up with. Um, not sure if if you did that, but any, well, anything just else the one I made, but... <laughs> oh. oh, You know, the one okay. I put two years playing that we like. Did you put much thought play. into it, though? <laughs> <laughs> really had that kind of weak vengeance arc, let me say. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so some options uh, a oath of the crown and an inquisitive rogue the idea of like a fiercely loyal to the crown paladin who's been trained for tasks outside of the normal expectations of a knight they're infiltrating sometimes even assassinating and they're the ones kind of holding up order in an otherwise chaotic sea and there'd definitely be a lot to to work into a um political intrigue campaign for that, especially as they learn, you know, the other side, you can either have them realize that whatever their enemy is, is, is not really as bad as their actual king or queen, whatever. Um, mechanically, they, you know, rarely need their bonus action as we already kind of talked about paladins that is. Um, so the inquisitive being able to help somebody within 30 feet is super helpful as a bonus action and very mm-hmm. fitting for paladins in kind of that, that helping, uh, we'll say like a martial class that does have some um, buff abilities added on. So yeah, even just a, a three level dip would be extremely useful with the 2d6 sneak attack damage, cunning action expertise, and then the bonus action help action. Yeah, that's actually really cool. I like that one a lot. Could also work with mastermind. Yeah, I, yeah, they inquisitive and mastermind have too much overlap. Yeah, but yeah, definitely say mastermind is more of the um, you focus your focus is on people and on influence and the secrets they have. So many spies and whatnot. Whereas inquisitive is you excel at rooting out secrets and unraveling mysteries. So like a lot of spies. Uh, <laughs> it does say that Inquisitive is more lore focused. So uh, maybe Mastermind would be uh, more fitting 
Oh, actually, did I did I mix them up? Did I say Mastermind originally or Inquisitive? You said Inquisitive. I, I did. I'm sorry. I just spoke about Mastermind but said Inquisitive. Everything I just said was Mastermind. Oh. <laughs> See, very so similar. The problem with Inquisitive is you get a bunch of wisdom and intelligence stuff that you're yes. probably going to be desperate to get out of the negatives with this one. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those the, are the, like the two skills you need to dump in this build. Yeah. Treating an insight role as a minimum of eight. I mean, that obviously helps a little bit in terms of, of getting you out of the negative, but. But if you have minus one to it, it's still not <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you got a seven. Um, eye for detail, I think just isn't really that interesting. But then the insightful fighting is you make a insight check as a bonus action against their deception check too so yeah just yeah what you could probably get perception wisdom up to at least just 10 so there's no negative and then that's where you take expertise in those skills sure so and then that kind of balances it six. out so you have plus four plus six plus eight then the minimum of an eight's a lot better yeah i mean you can definitely fish it out with that expertise path but it is a <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like I, I would see like the psychic damage incurred with taking expertise in something you have like a zero in. it's like oh I'm, it just shows not the really that expertise I've not done the, like, that natural talents you have yeah I, I've done that um I don't remember it was recently something we played where it was a stat was really low but I like it, it made just when who they were and in the backstory and the personality it made sense for one of these skills. I, I don't know, I can't remember any details about this. Um, it made sense for a skill to be high, and so I like, took expertise in it. I think you did that with your your old woman character. Yeah, the artificer. Right. Yeah. I took I took a, you took expertise as a feat. Yeah, I say that having skill. done this like last campaign with two skills. I have expertise in two <laughs> things. From wisdom, which I had a negative one in. <laughs> so yeah, you're so saying it's a great been, idea. Yeah. No, it kind of like balances. Don't out. do what I do. I'm a silly man. <laughs> I do strange things. It's. I mean, it's the opposite of min-maxing. It's. Yeah. You're kind of spreading, <laughs> spreading it out. I don't even know how to follow you anymore, Will. <laughs> You're like, nobody should do a paladin rogue. I'd never do that. It's horrible. And then you go, don't listen to me. I'm a goofball. <laughs> I'm an honest, I'm an honest fella. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Shrug. Just big There's shrug. no answer to that, I guess. Yeah. Um, so other, other character idea. This, this one's not as I think fleshed out but uh scout and oath of the ancients so just like you know you've, you've seen the vast lands of this world and you've you've sworn to protect them uh the mechanical benefit being able to get out of a fight and get half your speed as a reaction is really helpful uh, talking about the uh rogues skirmisher ability sorry the scout skirmisher ability which is at level three you're difficult to pin down during a fight you can move up to half your speed as a reaction when an enemy ends its turn within five feet of you and that movement does not provoke opportunity attacks um, you also at third level get proficiency in nature and survival and your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check that uses those so kind of expertise isn't that just expertise yeah, oh that's right you can you can stack expertise that's what what makes it crazy. Oh, I never realized that you can stack those, can't you? Yep. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, just being able to do that as a paladin, you, you mentioned earlier that their biggest, well, not their biggest limiter, but a limiter that people don't generally think about is paladin's speed. So being able to get an additional bit of, you know, half your speed every single round, moving to positions you want to be in, not being in the way of direct melee attacks, potentially, uh, just could be an, an interesting mechanical benefit. Yeah, for sure. You said that scout in Oath of Agents? Yes. Yeah, and then RP, that's fitting. Oath of Agents about kind of protection of nature and like the ancient magics of the world and things like that. And scouts can have that very much. Like I, I live in nature. I excel at that. And they're, they're kind of the ranger rogues. <laughs> they are, 100%. Yeah, I yeah. mean, even their their later abilities are just like giving them rogue things. 
They are rogues. You mean ranger things? Ranger things. Yeah. Yes. Even their names sound similar. Right. <laughs> oh, and it was Embers, by the way, the same paladin rogue we've been talking about where I did that, where I gave him expertise in um, investigation. Oh, even though it's Which is an intelligence like... one, which I had minus one to. So. And I think you succeeded on some of those even. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I love that idea. Uh, I think the only other one I had was just Oath of Redemption and then either Assassin or Thief. We've already really talked about this in, in Flavor. And it's just that turning away from the life of treachery. Okay. Um, that's that's really it. So the Oath of Redemption being that you've you've gone down a bad path yourself and then you saw the light at some point. And maybe this comes up more naturally in your gameplay. Um, or maybe it happens exactly at level three in Rogue and you decide to change, which I know Will always loves that. It's like, why do these characters always seem to have these, these character defining moments uh, right at the perfect level? How weird. <laughs> Uh, but still, I, I wouldn't go further than three levels because really any further in Rogue, like the, the level nine stuff just is not worthwhile and you don't want to hold back Paladin for too long. Right. You know what's really good? Swashbuckler. Yeah. Does that work with Paladin? Uh, yeah. It has a a goofy charisma influenced initiative bonus. That's true. It's always like, what mm-hmm. the hell is that doing in my rogue class? And it's also the one where if you are soloing an enemy, you get your sneak attacks. Right. Right. Yeah, that's actually probably a, a fantastic overlap. And on top of that, uh, you could take that Oath of the Open Sea and be a pirate. It literally <laughs> has swashbuckling sailors in the flavor text. Um, I don't know anything about Oath of the Open Sea, so I, I won't talk about it. Again, it's not official material, but I I think I did say when we when it's come up in the past, I'm really glad that there is a paladin subclass that feels different because Oath of Glory didn't do it. Right. So yeah, there you go. Play play a pirate. Not that swashbucklers have to be pirates. Just that if you want to play a pirate, Swashbuckler is there. Okay. For for anybody who cares about that. You know we're still gonna get a comment. <laughs> I don't care. I'm <laughs> I'm the sole person in this channel motivating engagement by saying shit that's just like <laughs> isn't true. <laughs> And and you listening right now, you can stop that. Like, that's on you. You can ignore everything Will says and give comments that are, are positive. But he he sees the comments. He sees that his nonsense is driving that engagement, and he just keeps doing it. So if you want him to stop, maybe do like a swipe or no swiping. You know, give give like a, a positive comment that that everybody can just rally around and say, yeah, that is a good idea. And also we ignore Will here. Like, what, subscribe, what swipe or no... fight against my tyranny. <laughs> Dora the Explorer, no? Yeah, what does swipe or no swiping from Dora the Explorer have to do with giving a positive comment? You, you do the opposite. You just, you tell Will, like, Will, no negativity. Will, no negativity. And then he just goes, oh, and runs off. Oh, okay. I'll be back so. next episode having learned <laughs> nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and again, saying swashbucklers are pilots. Pirates. <laughs> Ooh, swashbucklers would be pilots, too. Pilots of boats. Air pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so around the, the rogue paladin, did you all have any, any other thoughts, any final thoughts? Yes. So if you really want to spice up your game, you can lean into the worst aspects of both of these things. And as a rogue, go steal something you don't need from a store. And when the shopkeeper busts you as a paladin, act indignant and kill him for accusing you of being an honorless scallywag. And then your party has to deal with it. I mean, that, that it sounds would be a character. 
I maybe for a one shot. How about that? <laughs> like they're they're oblivious to their own wrongdoings. They're, they're basically playing like the lawful stupid stereotype of the super narrow minded rigidness that they will not budge from. But then they do that stuff themselves and just don't connect the dots. <laughs> exactly. Ruin the game for the rest of the table. Right? Speaking of narrow-minded rigidness, when I want to play music at my table, I don't go looking around at different websites. I don't go to YouTube. I don't go to Spotify. I go to one place and one place only because nothing says narrow-minded rigidness <laughs> more than Bardley. What are you doing? <laughs> These are terrible. <laughs> Did they like insult you on Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. I'm off my game. <sighs> you can save 50% off a three month subscription using the code MNM50 though. And it is actually a fantastic service because you you can, again, choose music that fits the mood. It allows you to search based on location as well as activity and play a song that just defines that with ease. So as you, the DM, need to uh, up your game in, in some capacity, to put on the production of it, uh, if, if you love that as much as I do, then I do actually highly recommend Bardley. Um, and I don't recommend uh, having some dumbass do promos for you that's a horrible idea they're just gonna screw it up every time um, one of the major benefits though is your ability to uh, do it online you can just send your players a link and as you change the music they hear it through their desktop their speakers no discord app needed oh my gosh i'm so tired of discord apps they all suck um, this instead just just works so give it a shot Bardly, you can do a 14-day trial as well as get 50% off a three-month subscription using the code MNM50. And if you want to support the show in other ways, you can head on over to monstersmulticlass.com forward slash support, uh, where you can also find our Patreon, who is consisted of these people. Ed G, Muddle 8, Brian H, Craig A, Isaac M, Jeff W, Star Shinobi, Vincent M, Bob F, Joe P, Rick D, Sentinel D20, Tyler S, Gray, Barents, Adam A, Rob K, and other Gray. And if you join our Patreon, you'll be able to get access to early episode releases most of the time, as well as campaign notes from our new campaign that recently started, just given, you know, DM thoughts and kind of general story beats. And then also other miscellaneous things. You'll see. You gotta you gotta subscribe to find out or read the titles. They're all available. Cool. That's it. Alright, and as well. Haha, and- now you screwed something up. Uh, you yeah, had yeah. one job. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, thanks for watching. <laughs>